Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Ah, good morning. Good morning, good week. Thank you for joining Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy. Let's begin by grabbing a yarmulke covering our head so we can say a quick morning prayer. You can also grab some coins, grab a drink, we'll make a, pray- we'll make a blessing on that. Start the day off right. We'll start the week off right. Take your right hand, cover your eyes, and let's say together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Leolam Vaed. Do you have a coin with you? Take the coin. And drop it in the pushka. More than one coin is also good. Even better. And if you have a drink, please say together with me the bracha, the blessing, thanking God for all that we have, that he, all that he's created for us to have. And in this case, for the drink we're about to drink. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Today's show is dedicated to the memory of Shalamis Bas Rabbi Yeshua Mordechai Strasbourg. She passed away last uh, Wednesday early morning and her family is currently sitting Shiva. Her family includes my brother-in-law Yaska Strasbourg the husband of my sister Bacheva. May her memory be a blessing for her family, for her loved ones. And may we merit the revelation of Mashiach now, when all the souls that have passed on will be back with us. And she will, of course, lead the way. The vaccines are a very big hot topic these days, already not even these days, it's probably about a year already 
since the vaccine for Corona has been made available, I think it was last January, that the vaccine became available to the public. It's a very hot topic. It was a hot topic uh, yesterday in Shul during the Kiddush. And um, last week I was supposed to speak about the Kabbalah of the vaccine. And I didn't get to it last week. So as I promised, I will um, talk to you and tell you and teach you and discuss with you the Kabbalah of the vaccine. So you know the drill. You get the vaccine and you're extremely optimistic that this vaccine is going to be better. You took the first one and now you're taking the second one and this one's going to be better. This one, you won't feel sick from the vaccine. But then, as the day continues, you often get the chills, headaches, maybe even some nausea. It all comes over again as you had it the first time. But Baruch Hashem, after the second vaccine, the next morning, you're back to normal. But that strange ill feeling sometimes could linger on for a few more days. And for anyone who did suffer at least a moderate case of COVID, you know that feeling well. You feel sick for a couple days, and then it, you know, it stays on and lingers for a little bit after that. It's as if this strange foreign power invades our bodies. Ironically, it's exactly this memory that our body remembers this foreign invasion that helps us fight disease in the future. In fact, these symptoms that we get from taking any vaccine are actual signs that the body is building immunity against the really bad illness. But after taking a vaccine and you have all those feelings, the rabbi in me starts thinking. Kabbalah explains that everything that exists in the world, in our physical world, actually mirrors something going on in a higher spiritual world, a higher truth, a spiritual truth. So interestingly enough, the Torah actually alludes to the idea of the vaccine in the original anti-venom. You know the story of the Jews getting healed by a snake bite? That's true. They got healed through a snake. You might remember this story. We didn't read it in these portions, but it happens later on when the Jews are in the desert for, for a while. And the Jews are punished by being bitten by a, a venomous snake. And what happens? God tells Moses to take, make a, 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 some sort of statue of a snake. He makes a statue made out of copper and he puts it up on top of a tall pole. And when the Jews look up at the pole, they were healed. They're looking up at the snake on the pole and they get healed. God made it so that a snake cured them from a venom of a snake. And there's two things I'm going to tell you about that story. Number one is, they say that the pole and the snake that you see on a lot of the emergency medical EMS uh, ambulances comes from that depiction 
of a snake on a pole in the desert that cured the Jewish people. The other thing I want to tell you is that the first vaccine that was ever made came based on this story because the story in the Torah is then brought in the Mishnah that to use, to cure a, a snake bite, you can use the actual venom from the animal, um, not just snake bite, from any uh, animal, you can use the venom from that animal to cure the person. And that was where the idea of vaccines came from. It's actually the sickness that can get rid of the sickness. So what's the Kabbalah of the vaccine? If you think about it, you know, this, this, this week, which, not these, this week, but the last four weeks, we've been talking about the slavery in Egypt and then the exodus from Egypt. And we're, in fact, if you think about it, we're always talking about um, Egypt and the slavery in Egypt, whether it's Passover time or whether it's Sukkot, because Sukkot is also about the redemption from Egypt, or this time of year when we're reading it in the Torah. It's the feature story of all these Torah portions. But it goes further than that. We remember the exodus from Egypt every single time we make Kiddush. On Friday night, we make Kiddush. We say in the Kiddush, Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim. This is a remembrance of going out of Egypt. Every time we say the Shema, which is at least twice a day, we remember leaving Egypt. And here's a kicker. The Torah tells us that we have an obligation to remember the exodus from Egypt every single day. In fact, it's part of our prayer that we say in the morning. We say every single day the six remembrances, and one of them is we remember the going out of Egypt. And the sages take it further and say that every single day, Bechol Yom Vayom, every single day, we should actually envision ourselves as if we are slaves being redeemed from Egypt. Now, doesn't that sound excessive? We should, every day, we have to remember this event that happened over 3,300 years ago. Can you imagine if Americans were, were expected to remember the victory of 1776 every day of the year? But we don't. It turns out that once a year, on July 4th, that's enough. We have a beautiful fireworks display right outside the, the you know, Milford. They, they, um, they especially have the fireworks display right behind the Chabad Jewish Center. And shine! We celebrated our birth as the American people. But that's not good enough for, the, for Jews. We're instructed to remember the Exodus every single day. You ever wonder why that is? You know, whenever I'm feeling unwell, I notice a funny thing happen. And maybe you notice it too. Each time we become sick, we become more sensitive. We become more humble. We become more appreciative of what we have. You know, that feeling of discomfort, which comes from an illness, suddenly allows us to feel for and help others who have to cope with much greater uh, pains and suffering and discomfort and they have them for an extended period of time. We may be sick for a couple days, for a week, maybe a couple of weeks, but there are people who are going through tremendous challenges 
not for days or weeks, but for months or years. So when you get that discomfort, it helps me, and I'm sure this happens to you too, it helps you feel that pain and discomfort of others. Imagine, if you can hold that emotion, that emotion of that feeling you have for others, if you can hold on to it, not just when you're not feeling good, when you're going through your own challenges, but when you're feeling perfectly fine. What if there was a harmless, you know, daily vaccine against arrogance, a vaccine against apathy towards others? You know, a vaccine, something that would give us just enough of that problem to lose that smugness, but at the same time, not hurting us in any way. And the Kabbalah tells us, we do have this vaccine against arrogance and against apathy and a vaccine to help us feel the pain of others. It's called Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim, remembering the slavery in Egypt, remembering the exodus from Egypt, reliving life as slaves is the Jewish vaccine program <clears throat> for instilling in us just enough humility to ensure that we never lose the appreciation for our blessings and always remain sensitive towards the plight of others. The Exodus story is also our daily dose of faith, instilling, in, instilling within us some vitamin E and vitamin B. You know what that is? Vitamin E and B is vitamin emuna and vitamin bitachon, the vitamins of trust and faith that God is always there for us. Just as he was there for us when he redeemed us from Egypt, he's always and constantly with us. So, when taking a vaccine these days, we need to remember that it's the Jewish vaccines that really keeps us spiritually and, and somewhat even physically truly healthy. When we're able to feel the pain of others, apathy will be a feeling, an emotion of the past. And we're able to constantly give thanks to God for all that He's done for us, then that habitude of gratitude will take us to places we never could have imagined. Every day, at least three times a day, we say a special prayer that begins with the words, Ashrei Yoshvei Vesecha. In our shul on Shabbos morning, we sing it together, Ashrei Yoshvei Vesecha, Odyalalucha Sela. Truth is, I shall leave the singing for the real singers, like Benny, who will play in a moment. But in that prayer, there's one verse which I'll translate for the Hebrew verse of the day brought to you by the Armenians. It's almost close to the end. You know, that, that whole prayer is actually an, acro an acrostic made up of that each, each verse begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph for Ashrei, Beis, Bechol, Gimel, Gadol. Each verse begins with another letter, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So for the letter Pei, the verse is Poseach Es Yadecha. We're saying to God, you open your hands, umaspia, and you satiate l'chol chai ratzen, 
the, the wills and the wishes of all living. And when we say that, we're supposed to have concentration and thought into the actual words, or at least think about the translation of those words while we say them. Because indeed, every single day, we are thankful for God opening up His hand and giving us all that we have and all that we need. Enjoy Benny Friedman and Svi Silberstein with the song Poseach Es Yadecha. Everything I need, it comes from you. My friends, my family, all of it from you. No matter what they say, I know it's true. Everything I have is all from you. Cause you're always there for me. And you know that I can be And you help me to succeed and to achieve
This coming Wednesday and Thursday, we will mark the 10th and 11th day of Shvat, Yud and Yiral Shvat in the Hebrew calendar, which is the anniversary of the passing of the previous Rebbe, known as the Friedek Rebbe, the Yiddish word for the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Friedek means the previous, the past. I was going to say the old, but it's not the old. When you say Friedek, it means the previous one, the one that happened just before. He passed away in 1950, and then um, in 1951, on that evening of the 10th and 11th of Shvat, the Rebbe spoke his first Hasidic discourse and accepted the mantle, the officially accepted, officially assumed the leadership of Chabad. Now, I got to tell you, it was really after a year where the Rebbe did not officially accept the leadership of Chabad, and the Rebbe showed some resistance and pushback against the community's request for the Rebbe to become the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe. But then on this date, it all changed and the rest is history. My colleague, Rabbi Friedman, you know, poses 10 questions and I'm going to, if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll quote his questions to you today. One, how did the Rebbe find the strength to shoulder the task of taking on this immense task after initially finding it so daunting, even in the Rebbe's own words, unthinkable? Number two, how did the Rebbe look at a humble, small Hasidic community in Brooklyn and see in it the seeds of a global impact on the entire Jewish world and beyond. Number three, how did the Rebbe lose so many hours of his private hours just by becoming Rebbe and still manage to bring us the Fabrengans and talks, original thoughts on every area of Jewish scholarship? Four, how did the Rebbe manage to spend several all-nighters every single week receiving people for private meetings and yet still maintain an energy level that invigorated not just his days, but invigorated the entire community? When you looked at the Rebbe, you felt invigorated. How did the Rebbe preserve his optimistic outlook on life and the future even after becoming the Rebbe, when people began inundating him with their sad news and requests for help and, and, and requests for blessings. How does one keep that optimistic view when you're hearing so much pessimism from so many people? How did the Rebbe, who seemed to be an introverted, private human being by nature, manage to become what the community needed, one of the most public and accessible figures 
in the entire world. How did the Rebbe manage to persuade a family-centered community to change so dramatically and so drastically and move so far from each other to open Chabad House Jewish centers all across the globe? How did the Rebbe manage to be indispensable to the average person for his or her personal challenges while also being indispensable to Israeli leadership, to Israeli security, and to the economy? How did the Rebbe rise above his own personal tragedies? And the Rebbe had plenty of them, thanks to the former Soviet Union and the uh, Second World War. There was no shortage of, of, of tragedies in the Rebbe's life, and yet serve as a source of buoyancy and reassurance for so many people. And how did the Rebbe inspire such a massive movement towards Jewish religious observance with exclusively positive messaging? Now these 10 questions may not have simple answers, may not have answers altogether. I definitely don't know how the Rebbe did what he did. But why the Rebbe did what he did, that's easier to know. The Rebbe did it because it was the Rebbe's job. It was a job given to him by God. And that was to model for this generation what is expected from us. And for us, the Rebbe modeled spiritual and physical service to others at any cost and at every cost. The Rebbe modeled thinking big, far bigger than we ever thought we can think. The Rebbe modeled strenuous mental and spiritual labor on behalf of the Jewish community without downgrading one iota his own level of Torah study and prayer. The Rebbe modeled heartfelt devotion to the people and to their problems without ever once compromising on God and his mitzvahs. You know, the Talmud tells us about Moses and what he seemed to have the superhuman faith and dedication to God and to the Jewish people. And the Talmud asks, how did Moses do it? The Alter Rebbe and Tanya explains, ours is not to ask how. Asking how is like a cul-de-sac. It's a comfortable, predictable path to nowhere. That's hardly the ideal legacy for Moses. Ours is rather to know and glow with the knowledge that there is a spark of Moses' soul invested in each and every one of us, as I talked about this past Friday night at the birthday of Basha Henya Carmelin, who had her 91st birthday celebrated here at Chabad. And we talked about how there's a little bit of Moses. It was also in a song we played last week on the show. There's a little bit of Moses in every single one of us. And therefore, we can do far more than admire Moses. We must, in our own way, be just like Moses. It is only our sincere readiness to emulate the Rebbe, which is not easy. And that gives us the right to admire the Rebbe, which is always so incredibly delightful. So as we come to observe the Yud and Yeralah Shvat, the 10th and 11th of Shvat, this 
Wednesday and Thursday. And we thank God once again for giving us the Rebbe. We need to reflect on this truth. Whatever the Rebbe did for us and does for us to this very day is exactly what we are meant to do for others. So let's do it. Or as I like to play on the words, let's just do it. Every Shabbos at Chabad, we have a beautiful Kiddush. Obviously, people come, or some people come, because they enjoy services. We talked a little bit about it last week, even though they can't read Hebrew or understand Hebrew, but come and enjoy and celebrate and take part. Other people come for Rachi's um, Torah and tea the women's get-together to talk about the Kabbalah of the Parsha, which takes place in the Shlounge every Saturday at about 11 a.m. Some people come because they're bringing their kids to the Shabbos Minions, M-I-N-I-O-N-S, something like that. You know, we have a special junior Minion at 12 p.m. every Shabbos. And some people are JFK Jews. 
they come just for Kiddush, JFK, just for Kiddush. And we always have a very beautiful Kiddush. Um, usually it's sponsored by someone in the community in honor of a birthday or a yard site or an anniversary. Sometimes when it's not sponsored, we have people who join together and, and, and you know, offer to sponsor it on Shabbos itself. And this week it was sponsored uh, jointly uh, by Barry Giller in honor of his 82nd birthday. May he be blessed for long Long, happy years. It was also sponsored by Jack and Helen Siegel, and they chose to sponsor it in honor of Rachi Amai. Do we say that? Mine and Rachi? Rachi and mine? I don't know. Somebody, I'm sure, Peter maybe might uh, help me out with that one. But it's our, it's an, a sort of an anniversary today. Today, the seventh day of Shvat, is 24 years since Rachi and I got engaged. So, would you say Rachi and my anniversary? Engagement anniversary? I don't know. Either way, um, it was really nice of them to sponsor the Kiddush in our honor. And during the Kiddush, obviously there's delicious, delicious foods that Rachi and, and the, the women's group put together every Shabbos. And there was also, um, we get to say Alachayim, wish happy birthday, as well as to talk about something going on that week or the Parsha, etc., a little fabrengen, if you will, every Shabbos. And that happens at around 12.30. And we fabreng sometimes for about an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And, you know, people stay as long as they want. It's a wonderful morning, afternoon at Chabad every single Shabbos. And we invite you to join us. If you haven't been taking part in this yet, or you did once before or a few times before, and you say, I really should start again, now's the time to do it. Don't hold back. Join us. Come take part. You'll thank Hashem for opening up your eyes to this amazing weekly experience. So yesterday at the Fabrengen, we were talking about the upcoming Yud Shvat. And the question came up, why would God bother to create this world? It would seem God is so high, so holy, so spiritual, so out there, infinite. And yet, he creates this finite world for very flawed people and, and makes the world accessible for us to help us succeed in what we do. And it almost seems like, did God do this as an afterthought? You know, he made all the spiritual worlds and he said, nah, you know, maybe I should also make this, this physical world for these uh, humans that are so flawed. Let me make a world for them. You know, the Rebbe asks this question, you know, every year at Yud Shvat, the Rebbe would talk about a Hasidic discourse which began with the words, I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. And in 1982, the Rebbe spoke about this question. And the Rebbe asked the question about adults who make funny baby sounds when they're talking to an infant. They make funny face emotions. We, we call it baby language, you know? Dada, ooh, ah, you know, all those weird noises that adults make when, or, or, or weird faces they make when they're talking to an infant. So let me ask you, does speaking baby language make you feel less of a person? Now, we are, after all, you know, grown up, 
we're mature, right? I'm a grown-up. For years I've been telling everyone I'm grown-up. Nobody believes me. I don't know why. But we're mature people. We're intelligent people. We, 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 we make real sentences, and yet we're making these funny sounds and silly faces. Doesn't that diminish us? Aren't we looked at as weirdos? Why are you making those weird sounds? You can't make normal, uh, vo- normal words and normal sentences? So we think back to God. As great as we are comparatively to a, a child, to an infant, God is the highest of all high. He's the ultimate of holiness. His wisdom is infinite, right? Not just we are finite, so even the babies have a connection to us, but God is infinite and we're finite, so there's almost no connection, no graspable connection between us and God. So why did God create a low materialistic, very not perfect world. And the Rebbe explains that it's just like a loving parent who interacts with their infant in baby language, God chose to interact with us in our own baby language. Because when parents speak to their infants in baby language, they're actually showing their most ultimate love that they have for that child. It's because they love that child so much that they will speak to that child in the baby language, not as an afterthought, oh, I have no choice, I have to speak to the baby in that that language. No, that shows their love. God hid his infinite uh, greatness to make space for this world so he can form a loving relationship with us and to provide us with the ability to discover him, to discover God. Creating this world was essentially the greatest way for God to say, I love you. If, you know, if you think about Hallmark cards that say, I love you, God created the largest Hallmark card, which is this world, telling us, I love you. And when the Rebbe explained this, the Rebbe taught this thought in 1982, and it was at this Fabrengen commemorating the yard site of, of his predecessor, the Friedrich Rebbe, as I said, the, uh, as well as the anniversary when the Rebbe assumed the leadership of Chabad. And how befitting is it that it's the Rebbe who shared this idea? Because the Rebbe himself personifies the idea of speaking in baby language. The Rebbe is obviously a brilliant Torah scholar. And the Rebbe could have dedicated his life exclusively to the deepest study of the most profound ideas of the Torah. But instead, the Rebbe devoted thousands of hours to young children, speaking with them, encouraging them to be better kids and better Jews. Last night, we had an amazing event here at Chabad called Saturday Night Alive. It was a glow-in-the-dark Havdalah. The children and families made uh, their own pizza, uh, we had these huge oversized games, you know, like Connect Four, like a huge Connect Four, bigger than a kid. You have to stand up on a chair to play it. And and uh, Jenko, I think the game is called. Junko, Jenko, one of those games where you pull out those those um, pegs or whatever it is. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And, and along with, we showed this beautiful video with a story about the Balshemtov, but it began with a little video, short clip of a video of the Rebbe meeting young children as they came, passed by the Rebbe to receive a dollar, as the Rebbe would give out a dollar every Sunday with a blessing. And in that line, 
the greatest scholars came to came and received the Rebbe's blessing. In that line, the simple folk came and received the Rebbe's blessing. The great leaders of, of, of Israel, the prime ministers, have come to see the Rebbe in that line for blessing. And there were children who came to receive the Rebbe's blessing. And we showed a clip of a number of those children passing by the Rebbe, received the dollar, and asking for their the things that they need in their own minds, in their childish minds, what they wanted. And some people might have said, especially someone as great as the Rebbe, might have said, eh, that's such a childish thing to ask for. You know, one kid asks the Rebbe, give me a blessing to have superpowers. Most, an adult might say, superpowers, are you, you joking? There's no such thing. But the Rebbe didn't do that. The Rebbe gives him a dollar and blesses him. Another child asks, can I have a second dollar? After he got his first dollar, he asked for a second dollar. And again, the Rebbe says, what are you going to do with a smile? The Rebbe asks him, what are you going to do with the second dollar? He says, well, one I'm going to put, I'm going to give to charity, and the other one I want to put in my piggy bank. And with a beautiful smile, the Rebbe hands him a second dollar. The greatest person of the generation, maybe of as far back as we can ever remember, spent equal amount of time with young children and, and talking to them in their language so that they can feel recognized and appreciated just like the adults. And, but it wasn't just children. The Rebbe would reply to countless letters and receive thousands of visitors. As you know about the Sunday dollar lines, but even before that, as I said earlier, the Rebbe would have a few nights a week, all-nighters, when the Rebbe would accept visitors in his room and, and, and talk to them about anything. Some of them were simple folk, far from being Torah scholars or holy people. Some of them were great Torah scholars. And the Rebbe would spend time, connect with them, and speak to each and every one in their language. And the Rebbe would encourage all of us to do exactly the same, to teach Torah and to inspire those around us to do mitzvahs. The Rebbe would say again and again, don't think that teaching and inspiring others who might not be at your level is something beneath your dignity. This is something we all need to, to do. If you know the letter Aleph, you can teach the letter Aleph. Whatever you know and whatever you do, you can teach and inspire someone else. After all, if God can speak baby language to us by creating this world, we can speak Baby language, baby language, well, in different levels, to all those around us. And as the Rebbe has promised us, all we need to do is add an act of goodness and kindness, and we will merit the revelation of Mashiach now. This song by Eli Marcus is, comes from the text, the words that the Rebbe would use to bless uh, people at their weddings, at their marriages. So today being a, uh, the day of Rachi and my, again, my and Rachi's engagement anniversary, 24 years that is, uh, we'll play that song. But also, it's a way of blessing all those who need to find Shaduchim, uh, to find them, to find their mate, to find them easily and happily, immediately. Enjoy. Mamma, Mazuto, in the Nibozel, Habia, because he beat Hasmazuto. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it was exciting and a pleasure spending Sunday morning together with you. I want to wish you the greatest of weeks ahead. And I want to remind you that your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. L'chaim!
You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.